I'm TL and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe. But our belief has implications on the way we live our life the rest of the week. We explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. Tomorrow is the day, third Sunday of Advent, where finally we're going to put up our Christmas lights on our Christmas tree. Uh, No, I am not procrastinating. Uh, It's something that we do in our family because we want to extend Advent as long as possible. We want to live in Advent and build up our anticipation for uh, Christmas. And so the way that we do that, rather than the little uh, chocolate Advent calendar that I grew up with, uh, we do that by slowly rolling out our Christmas decorations uh, to to have that expectancy and that longing and that uh, increasing desire for the arrival for the advent of the incarnation, for Christ to be made present to us at Christmas. And so for us, what that looks like is we uh, we don't buy the tree until generally the second Sunday of Advent, although this year, because of the way schedules worked out, it actually was a little bit later. Uh, I think we, we picked up ours on Thursday this week, got our tree up, uh, and then we put the lights on the Christmas tree on Gaudete Sunday. And the reason... That, that we call it Gaudete is because of the, the Gregorian chant entrance, uh, introit, the entrance antiphon, uh, which is Gaudete in Domino Semper, Iterum Dico Gaudete. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. And we, we have this longing for Christ, and all of our readings are about this longing for the ultimate redemption, and then finally, this longing for the, the incarnation. Um, and in the midst of that, as we're reading these uh, really apocalyptic readings of what Christ will do when the end of time comes, when we'll finally be revealed, right in the middle of that, we get this this jubilance, this rejoice in the Lord always. We've got the cal- the, the candles for Advent around the Advent wreath, and we've got purple because it's a penitential season. We've got the three purple candles and the one rose candle. And I always, uh, I, I guess as I was younger, I thought that the rose was that last week right before Christmas because it's getting lighter. Uh, and then finally we get to the Christ candle that's lit in the middle. Um, but that's not the case. The rose candle is actually the third Sunday of Advent. Uh, and it's because of this, uh, this promise of the dawn. Now, promise of the dawn means something a lot more to me now than it used to, because uh, earlier this year, we moved up to the Pacific Northwest. We live just outside of Seattle, and it gets so dark here so early. Uh, it, I think the sun's going down at like 4.30 right now, uh, and then it doesn't come up until long after we're out and about. And so there is this real sense of the sun is never going to be here. I'm never going to see the sun again uh, as we get closer and closer to uh, December 21st. It feels like we're just never going to see the sun again. And here we come. Here as the solstice hits, the days start to get longer. And here as we are approaching Christmas, Christ comes to us. And the days get brighter and longer. And yes, the incarnation is not the redemption, 
but it's it's the moment that we know that the redemption is on the way. It's that promise of redemption. Uh, I think of um, Anna and Simeon waiting in the temple, longing for this redemption to come. And when they see Christ, just when they see him being presented in the temple as an eight-day-old infant, just there under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they see him and they respond as if the redemption has already come. In fact, Simeon says, and we pray this in the Liturgy of the Hours every night at Compline, we, we say this canticle of Simeon where he says, Lord, now you let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. Mine own eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared in the sight of every people, a light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. And so here on this this third Sunday of Advent, where we have the rose candle, where we're uh, singing this antiphon, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's like that moment before sunrise, where you just get the first hints of color, and you know that the sun is coming. You, you don't actually see the sun yet, but there is a definitive uh, proof of its presence as the sky begins to lighten. And that's where we are. We're in this place as we're traversing through Advent, as we are uh, longing for the coming of Christ. We have this glimmer and this hope and this sign, this founded hope that our redemption is at hand. And we who are caught in between Christ's first coming uh, and, and his return we who have already experienced internal redemption but still long for the redemption of the world, we can experience this as well. We have this, this um, encouragement from Scripture to rejoice in the Lord always. That means that even in these moments of, of maybe some trepidation and some acknowledgement looking around us that all is not right with the world, uh, we have this hope that we rejoice in the midst of the sadness, we rejoice in the midst of the suffering and in the sorrow because we know that Christ is coming and it gets brighter and brighter and our hope gets more and more secure as we approach the incarnation, as we approach Christmas. Today in the show, we're going to be talking with uh, Mary Jo Gerd. She had a blog recently on uh, a blog post, made it to the front page of New Advent. And it was all about Advent hacks. What life hacks can we do to make our Advent be Advent? Not jump ahead to Christmas, but to spend time sitting in this discomfort and this penitential season longing for and spending time really allowing ourselves to long for the coming and the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It's going to be a great conversation that we're going to have right when we come back. In the meantime, why don't you join me over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle's at Outside the Walls. Come and talk to me about how you make Advent Advent. What are you doing to hold off on Christmas here in this Advent season? Could be little things, could be a really big calendar turnover. Whatever you do, share it on social media with the hashtag MyAdventHacks. We'll be right back right after this with much more. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Well, 
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on daily life. I'm your host, T.L., and today, uh, tomorrow, we start the third week of Advent, and it's the last full week of Advent because the next week, we have the fourth Sunday of Advent and then immediately roll into Christmas, Uh, and so this is the week to make your Advent count. And to have a conversation about that, we are speaking with Mary Jo Gurge. She blogs over on latefortchurch.blog. The title is, We're Late for Church, Our Family's Journey from Hullabaloo to Holiness. That's fantastic. Uh, Do do tell how we came up with the name. Well, that's our hope anyway. When I I came up with that kind of, uh, you know, our journey from Hullabaloo to Holiness, I said to my husband, does that sound like we're there? Because it's really, we're not there yet. You know, it's, it's the journey to get there. Um, and that's certainly our goal. Um, and there are days when we don't hit that goal. <laughs> um, we, we, we are immersed for sure in the hullabaloo um, and, and moving towards holiness. But, but the, the name of the blog, Late for Church, is, it, it's got a lot of meaning there. Um, but mostly it kind of floated up because that's what we say. That's, that's, the, that's what my husband and I say uh, pretty regularly on our drive to church or as we're, <laughs> you know, exiting the door and it's, we're late for church, you know, and, um, and, and growing up, that was, that was also something um, that we experienced. So I thought it was something that most people can relate to if, if they have a family and even if they don't have children, you, we, we all kind of lose track of time and, and, and that's, that's what ends up happening. So um, and, and it also kind of, it's, it's also about my rediscovering my own faith at a certain point later in life and kind of my, my faith coming to life, um, at a, at a later point. And it, it would probably happen later than I would have liked, but mm-hmm. I'm going with it and that's, and that's where we are. And so there you have it. We're late for church. It's kind of like <laughs> what St. Augustine said, uh, late have I loved you. Oh, beauty. So, yes. so ancient. So new late have I, late have I made it to church. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's exactly right. And I, and I won't, it, I, I go through these stages where I'll lament the fact that it was too late, you know, or, or when we show up physically too late. But, um, I know that God is smiling that we got there and we orchestrated it all to get there and, and be there. Mm-hmm. You have a, a, a blog post recently. This is the one that I found mm-hmm. you on. It came on uh, the New Advent website. It's kind of a news aggregator for Catholics. And so you had this thing called Advent Hacks uh, that mm-hmm. that I thought was was wonderful because we spend, I think, so much time in our culture, uh, which is ordered toward instant gratification, that uh, keeping ourselves happy and distracted all the time. That That's what uh, our media is built around. It's what we've kind of the, the structure of our Western society is not so much, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happy, happiness, but life, liberty, and the constant experience of happiness, which doesn't mm-hmm. leave us a lot of room for preparation. Uh, just mm-hmm. across the board, we don't spend a whole lot of time preparing for things. We wing it so that we can, you know, you only live once, YOLO, hashtag, and and then we want to get on with the experience. So talk a little bit about mm-hmm. the, the impetus behind this Advent Hacks to Help Your Family Grow in Holiness uh, and and the, the reason for the blog and what that looks like in your home. Sure. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny, you, you, you talk about we don't have a lot of time for, for preparing and, and we just don't have a lot of time. We're just busy, you know, and, and busy doing what is the question. And, and that's something that I, uh, I think about a lot, you know, how do I, um, I'm a stay-at-home mom and so I, I volunteer with a lot of things and I want to be involved with my kids' school and, but it can, it can just take over. And then, right. and then we're, we're busy. We're on this, this rat wheel, you know, the hamster wheel. And, um, so I know, um, that this time in particular, December tends to be for families because we all share this, right? Oh, you know, yeah, we got to get together after Christmas because it's so crazy right now. And, and why is it crazy? You know? And so I really was doing some soul searching with regard to that because in my life, um, as a cradle Catholic, I, I think December, you know, the day after Thanksgiving or, or, or during Thanksgiving, it was like, all right, break out the party scene. We're ready. And, um, and that's really not, it's, it's counterintuitive to what this time is for our Catholic faith in our Catholic faith. It's really not party time. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to explain it to my kids. Um, and so, and I think that's what, what kind of spurred on the idea for the blog was they were not understanding, you know, seeing everybody put out their wreaths and the, and the lights and, and all the commercials, everything was all geared toward party time. It's right. party time. And so I started to explain to them, well, it's Lent is to Easter as Advent is to Christmas. And we wouldn't start celebrating the resurrection of our Lord during Holy Week. You know, we wouldn't be partying it up. And that's still a time for solitude and, and solemnity and penance and all those things. And it's in the same way that we should be treating this lead up to this wonderful celebration. But there has to be the time ahead of that wonderful celebration where we prepare and we get ready. We have to, you know, I think come to a place in Lent where we recognize our personal need for the resurrection. And, and, yes. And we have to come to a place in Advent and I, I, as we've talked about this on the show recently, it, it's not hard to do to look around the world and see the result of the fall. Uh, you turn on the news for five minutes and you see uh, mm -hmm. in our in our nation, in our world, in our society, you see all of the effects of that choice of Adam and Eve uh, to to disobey God. And, and so, but we have to really appropriate that and own that before we can really understand fully and celebrate fully the incarnation. That's right. That's right. And, and I, I, I love, I love that point. And, and that's we're we're constantly being, our focus is the world, the culture tries to, to steer our focus away from that. And um, as I, as I wrote the blog, another thing that, that occurred to me was the whole idea of um, when there's a big event in our lives, for instance, you know, a, a baby coming, you know, we're, we're welcoming a new birth. We're going to get married. We're going to run a race. We're going to start a new job. There's earthly hope there. You have earthly hope. And what comes with earthly hope is, is preparation. You know, we, we get ready all the things that you do when you're expecting a child or all the things that you do when you're going to start a new job. Uh, we do our research and we, 
We look into things. We don't just immediately start the job. We don't run the race. We don't um, get married. There are things that we have to do in order to do that. And, and that's with our earthly hope. You know, but with our heavenly hope, it's really about, you know, not just looking back at Bethlehem, but looking forward to the second coming you know, to that time when things are going to be made right. And, and when that fallen, uh, the, the way the world is, is going to be made right. And, um, and so with that heavenly hope, that heavenly looking forward, we have to do the same preparation. We have to be ready. We have to get our hearts ready. And, um, and we can all relate to those preparations for those earthly things. So it's, it's instituting that in a practical way to help our spiritual lives to grow and, and to be prepared and be ready. You know, as you bring that point up, Jesus talks about this as he's talking about the end of all time. He gives a parable of, uh, of 10 wise virgins, right? That, that mm-hmm. they, they had the oil in their lamp and they had their wicks trimmed and they were prepared for a late night. They were prepared for whatever time it would be that the, the bridegroom would arrive and then others, they were burning their lamps and they weren't paying attention to it. And they were, uh, they were just waiting for the moment. And all of a sudden they ran out of oil and they had to go away to get more oil and to fix their wicks. And in their absence is when the bridegroom came. And so the question is, what for us, um, as we're awaiting the consolation of the ages, as we're awaiting the, the manifestation of, of Jesus Christ today, whether we're uh, mm-hmm. remembering the the first incarnation or whether we're anticipating his second coming, what are those things for us that would be the oil? Uh, the What would mm-hmm. be those things for us that would be the wick? Uh, of course, oil is very often associated with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so I would say, what are we doing in our lives this Advent to be filled with mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, to be made useful like a wick, so that uh, so that when Christ comes, we'll be found ready. Yeah, that, that that's a beautiful, you know, scriptural reference to exactly what we're talking about. I love that. Um, one of the things that we've tried to do over the last couple of years in our family life um, is it's it's really to slow down, you know, and simplify, slow down and simplify. Which it, and I, I address this. It sounds so wonderful and it sounds so easy to do, but it really isn't. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is something I struggle with on a personal level, uh, so often. And it's, it's a choice that I have to make regularly. And that is a choice to say no. And, um, I have to work through this in my own prayer life and my own spiritual life in saying it's okay to let others down, let mm-hmm. people down but I cannot let our Lord and Savior down. And so that means that I have to make room for in this, this period of the liturgical year that I have to make room for peace and solitude and quiet and, and slowing down so that I can see him and appreciate him and I can be prepared for him. Um, so those are, you know, that, that's one of the real practical things that December should not be a flurry of activity. It should actually be a slowing down. It should be a stepping off the hamster wheel. 
mm-hmm. uh, that we're so accustomed to being on. And, and that really does mean it, it, it translates to having to say no to a lot of the things at this time that we've become accustomed to, you know, parties and events and games and this and that. And, um, and it's hard. It's hard to be countercultural and say, you know, we just can't do that. And, and why can't you do that? We can't do that because we're trying to quiet our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and that can be, you know, if, you, if you're the one hosting the party, it doesn't necessarily make you feel good to hear that someone can't make it because they're trying intentionally to simplify. Right. Um, but how do we, how do we handle that? We, we need to be understanding to that when we're the ones hosting the party, that allowing for that and in congratulating people, affirming them when they, they say no. Um, and to give ourselves permission to do that. You know, I, I look at this and think that um, so often as we are in the middle of the, the rush, we just get caught up in the mm-hmm. current and we, we don't take the moment to, uh, to really appreciate where we are. And one of the things that slowing down does is it says, I, I'm going to back away from all the distractions and focus just a moment in on my interior life and on the fact that Christ is coming and I don't want to be distracted from that most important thing. We're talking today with Mary Jo Gerd. She blogs over at lateforchurch.blog. It's not a .com, lateforchurch.blog. Go take a look at that. We're going to continue this conversation right after the break. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Tell me what you're doing to prepare for Christmas this Advent. We'll be right back. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily lives. I'm your host, TL. We're talking today about Advent and making this Advent the best it can be. Now, listen, I know that we're almost uh, a third, two-thirds of the way through. I realize that Advent is just almost over, but it's not too late to make a fresh start and to take some time to prepare your heart, to prepare your life for the coming of Christ this Christmas. And we're talking today uh, about that with Mary Jo Gerd. She blogs over at lateforchurch.blog. It's a fantastic blog. I encourage you to go to look at it. Uh, but she wrote something recently called um, Advent Hacks. Uh, we, there's hacks for everything, right? There's an Advent hack. So <laughs> even though you're halfway through it, you can hack your Advent to help your family grow in holiness. Mary Jo, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, TL. I appreciate being here. It's because it is so important. Um, some of the, the, even the Catholic blogs that I've read, they will give you lists of things to do, which, you know, there's crafting, especially as moms or, or, or parents, we, you know, we think, oh, well, we've got to do this craft or do this or that. And it can actually put more on our plate. And I'm really interested in, in simplifying and slowing down. And, and what are the things that are going to allow me and allow my kids and my husband and I to slow down and take stock of, of what's coming and the significance of this season. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I was, I think I wrote this piece because partially because of the stuff that I was seeing, there were a lot of ways to complicate my life. 
You know, <laughs> I, I really don't want to go to the craft store right now if I don't have to. Right. You don't want to make, um, you don't want to make your afternoon snack look like a full nativity with uh, costumes and everything. No, no. <laughs> no, no, thank you. I think there's a time and a place for those things. And, and if, if that's your thing, I, God bless you. But those, 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 <laughs> Those complications do exactly that for me. They, they kind of set this bar when I go, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get there. And so I was looking into, you know, how do we, how do we as a family, you know, take this countercultural stance of slowing down and, and taking stock of, of what is all present. And, and one of those things, one of the things that I list as my Advent life hacks is actually doing something with your hands, um, creating or doing something. And, and the idea is when we create, and it doesn't have to be complicated. It's what, it's how you make it, whether it's a drawing or whether it's, you know, I, I admit this, um, you know, that I'm <laughs> very uncool. I like to make salt dough ornaments. I make ornaments and the kids, and we do it together. And, and, but there's something about tapping in to, creativity at this time in order to commune with our creator, you know, and to understand, you know, all of the time and the, and the, and the thought that went into who we are and, and our creation. And so I tell people, you know, make a meal as a family together. Um, read a book together as a family. Um, draw a picture or, or do something anything you can build something it doesn't have to be pinterest worthy but it has to be homemade do something together that will help you to grow your spiritual life so that you're prepared for his coming i know it seems counterintuitive because the reason why i wrote it was to simplify but there's something to doing something very simple with our hands and tapping into your creative abilities you know i i see so much pressure to have a, mm-hmm. a certain kind of holiday experience. And mm-hmm. what's really interesting to me is if you look back historically, and you don't even have to go back very far, the kind of Christmas that we are all trying to capture and practice is uh, a post-World War II kind of a Christmas. If, if you look back further, just 80, 90 years, the way that we practiced the, the holidays was very, very different. Um, frankly, life was slower. Uh, and so they didn't have to slow down as much because they didn't have to worry about the fact that they spent three hours a day on their cell phone, right? This wasn't, mm-hmm. this wasn't a temptation. They weren't being distracted by all of these vulgarities of life. Life itself was more tactile. Uh, so they were already doing, as you're talking about creating things with their hands. I think what's so important for us is to tap back into the, the root of, uh, of the human experience to get out of the digital mm-hmm. experience and, and to reconnect to the fact that we are human beings and we are made in a certain way to have certain kinds of, uh, relationships with one another and with the world and with the earth and with, uh, with our hands. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. so much of what you're saying is not new. It's a recapturing of what we, what we had before. Yeah, to, 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 you know, further on the point of slowing down and, and, and having more solitude and, and more family time and more quiet time, um, we're not going to, those, those things, the, the ability to create and do things isn't going to be at our fingertips 
if our phones are at our fingertips, right. if our computers are at our fingertips. And, um, and it just, it, 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 it really prevents that opportunity to interact with, you know, our family members and to interact with the dialogue that we, we have with our Lord. And um, you're right. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a new distraction. And, and as, as it becomes even more prevalent in our society, it, it just eats into that, into that real practical part of life. And I, I, I think in my blog, I reference thinking about when I get into those instances where I'm, yeah, I, I want to go to the, the digital world and escape to the digital world. I think of the blessed mother, you know, in that time leading up to the birth of Christ and how, you know, it was tactile for her. I mean, it was, it was physical. It was so physical. And, and so we have to somehow have that same connection to the, to the, the physical world in, 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 in be tactile and touching things and living and really living rather than through this fake digital world. We're talking today with Mary Jo Gerd. She blogs over at lateforchurch.blog. I think a big question is also, what are we consuming? What, what, you know, are we consuming entertainment? Are we consuming things that are uh, distractions? Or are we consuming things that are actually going to nourish our spirits? Uh, and so, you know, maybe this is the time to turn off the, uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, although there's a case to be made for that nourishing the spirit compared to the other things that are on TV. Uh, but you said it, yeah. But turning that aside and turning it off and and turning to a book, maybe reading around the fireplace, you know, to get get that nice little Norman Rockwell mm-hmm. picture there. Uh, read a story from the life of the saints, or uh, we, what we do as we gather for bedtime is we light the Advent candles and we read the the mass readings for the day, and then we start, when they get when we blow out the candles, the kids have to go upstairs in silence, and as parents, that's fantastic. Uh, because that's the only silence we get at bedtime all year long. <laughs> but, you know, right. do, doing something that's almost ritualized, right? So mm-hmm. the liturgical calendar gives us all kinds of opportunities to live the seasons of the year, and we can appropriate that because children experience that, I think, on a more visceral level. Uh, so what are some very practical things? How does this, what does this look like in, in your home as you try to ritualize the Advent season for your children? Well, right now, you know, in addition to detaching from media, that's a really big part of it. Um, and making commitments to one another that we're detaching. We don't, we, my kids don't, aren't, you know, attached to media at all, but it's really my husband and I. And, and so, and from us flows the rest of the, the family. Uh-huh. So it's making that commitment to one another that we're going to detach. But then secondly, we're, we, we make a really good point of praying regularly to, as a family, but a lot of times, you know, again, in that the rush of the real world and the reality, we've got to get to this practice and then we've got to go here, da, da, da. We'll, we'll pray on the road and we'll say a rosary in the car. And I, I said to my husband and the kids this year, I really want to make a point this Advent when we pray we will make set aside a particular time and we already have morning and evening prayer, but I don't want any rushed prayer. What kind of relationship is that? That is if it's always rushed and, and, you know, you call your mom only when, you know, you're on the road somewhere, you're waiting in line and 
what kind of relationship? Certainly that happens and, and your mom is happy that you reach out to her at that time. But we need those times where we set aside a particular time. Where we said, I just want to call and reach out to you now. And so we love the rosary. That's our favorite family devotion. Um, and so Sundays is a time where we spend time and we don't feel rushed with our saying our rosary. And we really, um, that's a signal to my kids that this is a part where we're slowing down and we're reaching out to our mother and, and just unifying our connection with one another and with our Lord. Uh, so that's one way. And then also Advent prayers are really important. I think if you, you know, prayers can signal if you switch the prayer or the song that you sing, mm-hmm. um, if you sing a prayer, you can, you can change that up. So those are good ways to kind of ritualize and slow down and really savor the season. And I, you brought something up there that I think is <clears throat> so very important is that if we just expect, oh, hey, it's Advent, I'm going to slow down, we're going to pray prayers, uh, and it's going to be great, but we don't actually put it on the calendar and protect that time, then it's going to go away. Yep. We're going to miss it. Yep. Y- you've got to say, okay, this time is sacrosanct, and we're going to wall that time off, and we're going to protect it from everything else, because mm-hmm. not because... Um, God needs it, not because Mary needs it, but because our soul needs to be in communion with them so much that we can't let that slip away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it will, it, you're so right. And just in the, the family dynamic, that's the way it works. It will get eaten alive that time, unless you protect it and you, and you build it into your schedule. I, my husband and I, we have the linked, I'm sure you have this too. You know, you have your calendars linked mm-hmm. and, so that when somebody says something's going on, you have to look. But if you build in to your time, your Sunday devotion, you know, how beautiful that is and protect that. And then you can safely say, no, I can't do that party on that time. That's when we're going to say the rosary as a family. That's our prayer time, you know, and I have to guard that. Mm-hmm. And and certainly if that person who you're answering to is, is a good and faithful person, they're going to affirm that, you know, how beautiful. And if they're not, then you have now given a beautiful witness, a planted a seed that, that may one day bear fruit. Amen. Amen. And I said, I think I wrote my blog, you know, if, if it's hard, once you get home and I know families, I know I have friends who have really big families. And so you've got these wide ranging, you know, if you have eight or nine kids, 10 kids, it, it, it is chaos. When you set foot, when you cross the threshold, chaos erupts. So Mm -hmm. if, that is a challenge. Another thing is after mass, what about getting on your knees and, and praying the rosary or praying together in that instance? And what a witness that is to the rest of the parish. Yeah. You know, I just think that's, that's so beautiful. And you're all the graces that you're getting for saying those prayers, but I think you're planting seeds for all the other people that are walking out who can't help but notice, look at this family saying the rosary. How beautiful. We've been talking today with Mary Jo Gerd. She blogs over at lateforchurch.blog. Perhaps you can relate. We still have about a week left until Christmas, a little bit more than that. You still have time to implement these Advent life hacks to help your family grow in holiness. There's even more to this conversation available for those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link, and see how you can support the show and get extra content every week. 
There's more right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, TL. Today, we talked with Mary Jo Gerd. She blogs over at lateforchurch.blog. Again, it's not a .com, it's .blog. Go take a look. It's a, a fantastic and fun blog uh, all about their family's journey, as she puts it, from hullabaloo to holiness. And we talked about the importance of really dwelling in Advent and sitting in these, these moments of, uh, of waiting and allowing ourselves to actually wait, to slow down from the busyness of the season, the season that wants to draw us into Christmas parties and all the extra activities, and to actually take a step back and say, no, I'm going to Advent well. Uh, so she gave us a lot of uh, ideas of how to hack our Advent, as she puts it, uh, to uh, to allow ourselves to experience the slower pace and to experience the fullness of that Advent season so that then we can experience the fullness of the celebration of the incarnation. If you missed any part of the show or you want to share it with your friends, go over to OutsideTheWalls.com where we have this episode and all of our episodes archived for your on-demand listening pleasure. Additionally, we have an extra segment, pretty lengthy one this week, about 15 to 18 minutes of extra conversation with Mary Jo Gerd, available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. So if you go to Outside the Walls, while you're there looking at all of the other on-demand things, you click that Patreon link. It says support the show, and that's exactly what you do. For as little as $5 a month, you help us stay on the air, and I give you extra segments each and every week. Maybe this is something that you want to uh, to give to someone as a Christmas present. Uh, I think that's a fantastic Christmas present. You don't even have to wrap it. You just give them a login. How awesome is that? Well, go take a look at that. See how you might be able to support the show. Take a look at what options we have there. Now, let's go ahead and turn our attention back to Advent back to the waiting, and take a look at our reading from Scripture and from church history. And our, our gospel this week is just really uh, appropriate for the things we've been talking about. It uh, comes out of the gospel of Matthew, and Jesus said to the crowds, To what shall I compare this generation? It is like children who sit in the marketplaces and call to one another. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. For John, the Baptist, came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He is possessed by a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by her works." That reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and it is so appropriate for us because I think we get very easily caught up in trying to fit in with the culture around us. And this is, uh, I think, something that we've experienced as Catholics in the United States for uh, maybe as long as there have been Catholics in the United States. There's this desire uh, to, to not be persecuted. And I get that. I mean, truly, I get that. Uh, and so as, as cultures... 
uh, and the, the society around kind of ostracized Catholics, uh, whether they were Irish immigrants or Italian immigrants or, or whatever other people group were being uh, discriminated against, there's this sense to be able to say, look, we share common humanity. We're not that different than you. And to to say, look, the things that, that you think are strange, they're really not all that strange. Look, we're, we're just like you. Well, I think in, there's a, a certain amount of that that's all right. But in the process of doing that, we began to adopt more and more of the culture, still not fitting in, right? Uh, and so we still get this, we played of the flute for you, but you did not dance because there's some things that society wants us to dance with that we just can't dance with, right? And so no matter how much we tried to fit in, we, we never fully will. And that's okay. That's perfectly okay because wisdom is vindicated by her works. So I think that it's high time that we, we say, you know what? We're, we're not going to go to Christmas parties. We're going to hold off and we're going to do Advent. We're going to be fully Catholic, right? We're, we're, uh, we're going to take the liturgical calendar that's given to us and not the social calendar that's given to us. And we're going to spend some time longing for and waiting for the redemption and spending some time in, in penance. And then when Christmas comes and you're all sick of the Christmas music, that's when we're going to start it. And we're going to keep it going all this year, all the way through the 13th of January, the baptism of the Lord, the Sunday after the sixth, uh, after epiphany. And we get to have this really protracted, lengthy Christmas season uh, that that we would be sick of if we followed the, the social calendar uh, that society gives us. But no, the church invites us into penance and, and the season of longing so that then we can more fully appropriate and appreciate the incarnation in this time of joy, which is coming very soon. We're almost there. Hold off just a little bit longer because the more that we live in the season that the church gives us, the more we're going to be able to see the riches of Christ that are coming to us here at Christmas. Our reading today from Scripture comes from a spiritual canticle by St. John of the Cross. And he says, Though holy doctors have uncovered many mysteries and wonders, and devout souls have understood them in this earthly condition of ours, Yet the greater part still remains to be unfolded by them and even to be understood by them. We must then dig deeply in Christ. He is like a rich mine with many pockets containing treasures. However deep we dig, we will never find their end or their limit. Indeed, in every pocket, new seams of fresh riches are discovered on all sides. For this reason, the Apostle Paul said of Christ, in him are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge of God. The soul cannot enter into these treasures nor attain them unless it first crosses into and enters the thicket of suffering, enduring interior and exterior labors, and unless it first receives from God very many blessings in the intellect and in the senses and has undergone long spiritual training." All these are lesser things, disposing the soul for the lofty sanctuary of the knowledge of the mysteries of Christ. This is the highest wisdom attainable in this life. 
Would that men might come at last to see that it is quite impossible to reach the thicket of the riches of wisdom of God, except by first entering the thicket of much suffering, in such a way that the soul finds there its consolation and desire. The soul that longs for divine wisdom chooses first, and in truth, to enter the thicket of the cross. St. Paul, therefore, urges the Ephesians not to grow weary in the midst of tribulations, but to be steadfast and rooted and grounded in love, so that they may know with all the saints the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, to know what is beyond knowledge, the love of Christ, so as to be filled with all the fullness of God. The gate that gives entry into these riches of his wisdom is the cross. Because it is a narrow gate, while many seek the joys that can be gained through it, it is given to few to desire to pass through it. That reading comes from a, a spiritual canticle by St. John of the Cross, comes out of the breviary on his feast day, which is just past. And here we have, in, in to a greater degree, what we're talking about with holding off and, and living through Advent, because the, the penance of Advent is a very small suffering. Of course, he's not talking about small sufferings per se, and yet there is this sense that through this suffering, through these, um, these small penances, through living this penitential season, that's the moment that we can begin to more fully appropriate and really understand the riches of God in Christ. That without them, without this suffering, without some sense of deprivation, uh, we can't know the fullness of God. In fact, Jesus himself said, if anyone would come after me, let him what? Take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. So in a sense, uh, in maybe in a small sense for, for some of us starting out, uh, in a sense we are denying ourselves, we are taking up our cross as we faithfully practice these penances of Advent, as we hold off just a little bit longer on the celebration and live fully in this tension to know that Christ is coming and yet we have some preparation to do. That's the, the, the carol, which is an Advent carol. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Uh, let heaven and nature sing. Uh, let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. So take these next uh, this next week. We've got one more week and a couple of days until Christmas. Take this third week of Advent and take some time in your heart to prepare room for the coming, for the birth of Jesus Christ in your life. Keeping in mind that his birth is not just a historical event, but it is an ongoing mystical event as we allow him to be born into our spirit. So tomorrow, turn down that extra Christmas treat. It's not time yet. Deny yourself just a little bit and reap the rewards of Christ's presence being made manifest to us in the middle of our everyday lives. That's all the time we have for this week. Today's show is made possible by Richard Jones and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link, join their numbers and get access to all the extra content we have available. May you have a blessed Advent. May you be 
filled with anticipation for what God is going to do this Christmas. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.